This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. To me in that moment, I wanted to be authentic. And so I knew like, I'll get back up again. As long as like, I'm not dead, you know, I will get back up again. So I was just kind of speaking to what I could find that was authentically true about that response to the, in response to that question. Today, let's talk about reality TV shows. I'm curious, which reality TV shows do you watch? Maybe Bachelor or Survivor or American Ninja Warrior? Well, I'm curious because I'm hoping that at some point you watched the show Strong. It aired on NBC and it is now available on Netflix for anybody who hasn't had an opportunity to see it. I hope you'll go and check it out because today I had the pleasure of interviewing Jill May. Jill May is the winner of that TV show, of that program, Strong. And she shares her story today. She is a recent best-selling author of the book, Strong Enough, which is the story of her journey through that reality television show from the moment she had the inkling of an idea that she might even like to be on until the end when she got to share it with her family and community. There are many twists and turns along the way. And if you have ever wondered who those people are that are on those shows, where they come from, what their lives are like, whatever made them decide to go on the show or anything like that, then I think you'll really enjoy this episode. I invite you to sit back and listen in as Jill May shares her story. Hi, Jill. Welcome to It Just Takes One. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. It's so fun to have the authors on at this stage when you've actually got the book out and, you know, we've gotten all the way through the process, but I actually (laughs) haven't had a chance to see you in a while. So great to see you. And I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Yeah. Good to see you too. And same. I'm excited to talk about it. Start with just a little introduction of how you and I are connected, obviously through the book, which we will be talking about, but you and I were connected before that. So just share a little bit about how you and I know each other and, and how you came to use Scripter as your publishing company as you decided to write the book. Yeah, so our connection actually came, um, if I recall right, through Todd Durkin, who was Team Yellow on Strong. Um, you know, after Strong, the show, which is what my book is about, aired, um, I went into training and I was a trainer and I started to build my own business and stuff. And I really kind of felt alone in that. I'm like, I needed some guidance and, and stuff. And um, Todd Durkin was running a mastermind and you were one of the coaches in that mastermind. And so I was fortunate enough to get in your group in the mastermind. Um, so you started out as uh, my business coach, helping me with that. Um, and helped me in a lot of ways in that. And then I found out you were, um, you had a publishing, editing, that sort of a company. And um, I was like, cool. Uh, And then we kind of got connected from there. 
Yeah, it's so great. So many great connections. I and Todd has been a connector for me for so many people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's kind of who he is, right? <laughs> who he is, exactly. Yeah. We're both yeah. fortunate to know him. Uh, yeah. And we'll talk a little bit about him on Strong and how you got sure. to know him on there. Um, but also just, I remember one of our first conversations was that you were thinking that someday you'd like to write a book, that you had always been a writer, and that you just had a dream that writing a book was somewhere in your future. And, and now look at where you are. Here you are. Book in yeah. Hand. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because, you know, I've, I've written periodically throughout my life, but mostly in the form of like journaling and oftentimes as a form of therapy, um, you know, and when I came home from strong, it was kind of that for me. I was, I was kind of coming down from the experience and that was five years ago. And then I think by the time I connected with you, I was to the point of maybe entertaining. Well, maybe other people would want to hear this, you know, and that's kind of where the, the formation of actually writing a book uh, for other people be, beyond journaling my own stuff uh, kind of came into play. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, so many of the people that we work with will come to us and say, I like to write, I've journaled, I, I do that, but I'm, I'm really nervous about writing a whole book. Like that seems a lot more daunting than just picking up a journal and writing something. How would you describe the experience? How did you go through this writing process, taking what you were used to doing and comfortable doing, like writing in a journal and then elevating it to be able to write a book? What was the mm -hmm. plan? Yeah, well, you guys were a big part of that because I trusted my partnership with you in this. And, you know, at first it was just get the story out. So for me, like the first time I went through it, I kind of pulled from some of my journals and then I pulled, I just wanted to go from start to finish and what I wanted to share. And so like, that was the, the beginning of it. And that was kind of just getting the grit out. And then I loved um, being able to have you guys, you know, being able to come in and just kind of help me with, um, you know, kind of going deeper. And that's really what gave me confidence to go into the heart of the book. Um, and so, you know, it's like the first draft was and just kind of in the beginning, it was just like, oh, this is hard. It just felt really hard at first. But then um, with your guys's help and everything and then getting into the heart of the book, that's where it really became fun. And um, like, oh, this is this is good. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question, did yeah. I? <laughs> no, I think that it's a very good. It's, it's Anne Lamont has a great quote, something about the first draft is is always goes in the trash. Like the first draft is so hard. It's like pulling teeth sometimes to just get the story out. And then you have to go back and, and carve it, right? You have to go back and kind of add detail and pull out more pieces and you know, spend some time really creating and letting the story come to the surface. I think that is a, an important point for people that are thinking about writing a book because you think, oh, you know, it's just this one time and, and it's going to be out there. That's kind of scary, but it isn't just one time. It's many, many times of, of rewriting, editing, and going through that before you feel like, okay, I've got it. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember the moment when you said to me, it's it. I know it's it. It's good. Yes. I think if I recall right, it was after my second draft 
And then I, I felt good about it and I had gotten it back to you. And I was just like nervously waiting your response. Like, cause I thought to myself, I think this is good. And I think it's authentic. And I think this is the heart of it. And then I was just like, but you don't know if you're just seeing it through your own lens. And so then I remember, I think I got a text from you in the morning or an email or something that I woke up to. And I read it to my husband right away. I don't even think he was out of bed yet. And I was like, you had said something like, you did it, Jill. And it was just like this affirmation in my spirit, like, okay, okay. Like Kelly said, I did it. Like, <laughs> you know, and I think that was the moment for me where, where it was like, oh my goodness, I actually, I, I wrote. Um, and, and for me, it was like, I, that was my authentic version. That was my authentic, where the authenticity really came up. Yeah, where it became very real, and I let I love that that and and when, and I remember reading it. And this is those of you that are listening. This will be your experience when you read Jill's book. You couldn't wait to read the next chapter because you wanted to see what happened next. And uh-huh. if any of you have seen the show, you know the answer. It's the, the the final, so you you don't. It's not because you don't know the ending. You know the ending, but you can't wait to learn every step of the process, the way you wrote it was so compelling. And that's when I knew you did it because I was held to keep turning those pages and finding out what's next. And then what, and then what? So what I kept trying to get to, (laughs) so when I got that text, that was, that was, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. you. Mm -hmm. Let's start talking about the book because we probably listeners enough. Let's tell them (laughs) a little bit more about it. So for those of you who don't know, Jill May was on uh, the TV show, NBC's TV show called Strong. Jill, what was the year that that ran? So that was in the spring of 2016 that it aired. 2016. And it's Mm -hmm. now available on Netflix. So don't worry if you didn't see it, then you'll get a chance to see it. You will want to see it. And you may even want to rewatch it after you listen to this episode and after you read Jill's book. But Jill, let's go back way, 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 way before that, Mm -hmm. because your dream of being on a reality TV show didn't just happen recently. Yeah. It, It came out in a conversation with your husband back when you were 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Early twenties. That's yeah. Somewhere around, I know somewhere around that time. Right. Um, isn't that everyone's dream in their early twenties? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I was a young mom. I've just always, I've always loved adventure. That's just always been my bent. Um, you know, but I got married when I was 19 and I, I had my first daughter at the age of 20. And, um, I think at that time, I can't remember exactly, but I either had her and another child or just her. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, the reality TV sphere was just kind of coming up and survivor was in the market at that time, just kind of coming into the market. And I remember watching, I think it was survivor specifically. And I was like, that's cool to go and compete. And, you know, and of course, I've always had this thing of like, that's not your reality, Jill, but it can be your reality. You know, I was a mom and, and I, I planned on being a stay-at-home mom for like a decade. I kind of had that in my plans. Um, not that our plans always go accordingly, but that was kind of my thought. So I didn't really think, oh, this was going to happen soon. But in the back of my brain, it was always like, I want to do that. I really want to do that. Um, so yeah, back in my early twenties, it was a dream that was, um, kind of cultivated in my heart. People always ask me why. I don't, I, no clue. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer to that, but 
Would you say that you were like, I love that you were, you're adventurous, you enjoy that adventure. And I, especially when you're talking about Survivor, like that was, especially when it first came out, it was so new, that whole concept of competing in this adventurous setting. Were you always a competitor? Did you have that competitive spirit? I don't actually, people look at me and think that, or they look at, they look at my experience and think that. I don't actually like love to compete against other people per se. I just, I do love to do well in life and anything I do. And I do love to step into unknown situations and just kind of uh, conquer them or something or do whatever I need to do. I love the unknown. It's, it's a, I love challenges. Maybe that's a better way to say it. I love Someone actually pointed that out to me. I didn't realize that they're like, oh, you love challenges. And I'm like, I guess. And that's probably more accurate than like, I, I don't love competition necessarily with, I just love challenge. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It does. And you know, it kind of reminds me in, in the book, you talk about the, we'll get there. I'm going to jump ahead real quick and come back. But um, the, when you were doing the, the callbacks and, mm-hmm. and something that you said in the callbacks um, that we'll share. And I'm just going to put a pin in it for the moment and come back to it because it has to do with that sense of wanting to, to, to be challenged, to kind of set your sights for mm-hmm. a goal and then reach for it. Yeah. Let's not get there yet. Let's come okay, to, okay. back to, so you sort of had this crazy idea from whatever space it came from, but it was, you know, many years later that you actually saw this opportunity. Share with the audience a little bit about that. What what made you actually apply for this particular reality show? And, and what was that process like? Yeah, well, I was kind of at a point in my life. So this was at least more than a decade later after I, I had been a dream of mine. And we lived in a new area. And I was just kind of, all my kids were back in school and I was substitute teaching, just kind of working part-time, entertaining an entry back in to get my master's degree. So I was kind of, kind of going, hmm, I was transitioning in life and kind of whenever I would go through transition points in my life, I, I kind of remember my dreams as there's just kind of a natural bubbling up. And I was just like, hmm, like, and that was a dream of mine. And I had written it down. I had written, that was one of the dreams I'd written it down. And so I just decided to browse through um, casting pages and <laughs> people do ask me, they're like, how did you find it? I'm like, I just went and browsed through NBC's casting page and it just so happened. And it was like the particular, you know, they put in a couple different blips of like um, kind of drawing different people in. And the one that kind of really caught me was, are you a mom that wants to get fit, healthy and strong? And I was like, I responded to it because I was like, I felt an authentic, like, yes to the question that they were asking. (laughs) So like, who wouldn't respond to that? Right. (laughs) Um, So that's kind of how it came to be. And then I, from there, I, um, it's pretty extensive, the the application you have to fill out. And so I put in a lot of time filling it out and filming and sending it in. But that's kind of how the process came to apply to the show. Did you find out how many people sentient applications? I feel like at one point when we, before we went to set and we were still kind of quarantined at the, um, hotel, um, I feel like somebody said one of the, I don't know if it was a producer or somebody that was 
there said there was thousands of applications. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like I remember hearing that. Um, I think they did actually write that in my book because that's what I remember hearing. So thousands to my knowledge, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> Interesting. So out of thousands-ish, mm-hmm. whatever that yeah, is, right. they ended up choosing 10. And you were one of those 10, which is kind of crazy in itself when you think about it. Um, There was a moment when you were standing at home, like long after you had sent in that application, when the phone rang and you looked at the number and were like, who is this? Yeah. And it's this person from the show saying, guess what? We we want a little more. What was was mind as you had to do that next step? I think it was send in the the photo of yourself in the bikini. Yeah. So what did you ask? What was going through my mind? Yeah. What was it? I mean, when you pick it up and she says, this is so-and-so from NBC strong. What's that moment like? It's yeah. It's, I mean, first of all, we were kind of rushing out the door. Cause I remember that moment we were rushing to church cause it was like Bible school night. And so we were, and I was teaching or doing something. And so all of a sudden it's like, on one hand, I'm rushing out the door. On the other hand, I get this call, like, yeah, we're from this casting team at Strong. And I'm like, I was kind of like, what? I, I don't, I think I just stood in my kitchen. I actually do remember. I stood in my kitchen, just kind of dumbfounded. <laughs> and then I think I probably was just silent for a minute that I was just kind of in shock. Maybe that's probably the best way to put it. I was in shock. Like, are you really, wait a second. It was kind of this combination of what did, who are you? What did I did this? Oh yeah, that's right. Cause it had been a couple weeks and my personality would do stuff and move on, you know? So I kind of had to remind myself that I applied and then it, and it was kind of like this, okay, what next? And then I was trying to make sure I was listening to what she was asking me to do. So kind of shock um, excitement and then trying to pay attention. Yeah. And, and kids <laughs> running around and come on, mom, it's time to go. <laughs> and I'm yeah. teaching a Bible study class or a Bible group class here soon. Um, it just seemed like kind of a funny, you know, dichotomy. There. <laughs> I think it was, I, in, in some ways that's so real because you were, you were being, you know, mom and, you know, normal yeah. life. And then all of a sudden sort of projected into this reality world. And yeah. it started then. I mean, it really started with that phone call where you, you began this slow journey, which became quicker um, yep. toward this reality show. Eventually you get there and they're doing callbacks. And I want to share, because I thought this was quite funny. Um, when you were, you, they had a little interview portion and they had you all come in to do this interview mm-hmm. and, you know, didn't give you any time to prepare. And they seemed to be pretty brusque and like, come on, mm-hmm. let's just get this. Done. Yep. <laughs> and I'm going to read to you what you wrote in the book about this. <laughs> so as my interview portion time arrived and I rose from my seat, I could feel the strangling weight of my deep insecurities wash over me. What in the world was I doing here anyway? Who did I think I was to be pursuing something like this? I wasn't prestigious or dramatic or dynamic or captivating. I was basic or that's how I felt anyway. Hi, I'm Jill from Minnesota was the first thing that flowed naturally out of my mouth. And in retrospect, probably the only thing they needed to come out. (laughs) I was absolutely clueless about what unfolded next. 
As soon as I spoke that opening statement, the room full of producers erupted in laughter. I mean, everyone, all of them, they were all laughing at me and I had no clue why. I figured their laughter was a good thing. I awkwardly made my way through the rest of my interview, but I have a feeling nothing I said from then on really mattered. That opening line with my apparently thick Minnesota accent was all they needed. You betcha. <laughs> say, hi, I'm Jill from Minnesota, <laughs> so we can hear it. <laughs> hi, I'm Jill from Minnesota. <laughs> That's it. Sounds perfectly normal to me, but I'm thinking in LA, that might be a little bit different accent than what they're used to. Yeah, I, I, I guess. How <laughs> funny. Such a funny moment. Um, and then, you know, they went through a series of other things. And, and yes. I want to come back to what we were talking about earlier that I said um, to put a pin in, because part of that interview process was they then asked you to come in and say, why you were going to win and you will. Yeah. I don't well, know first of very matter of factly, but here is what I can tell you about myself for sure. As long as I have breath and you all don't kill me, I will always get back up. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, to address the Minnesota thing, that was one of the... <laughs> Gonna defend my accent. Um, <laughs> that I'm was a New Yorker, so I'm with you. I totally get it. <laughs> I always thought my mom was from New Jersey, and then she moved to Minnesota, and she always taught me that we talk properly. And I was like, certainly, she's from New Jersey, and so she. <laughs> but no, it was it was one of those moments where you're like, I live in a small little world, you know, and I. <laughs> I had like that realization at that moment, like Jill, you live in a small little world in your little Minnesota town. <laughs> um, uh, but it was, it was great. Um, yeah. So what was the second part of the question? And then, and then just getting back to what you had talked about that you like a challenge. And when you yeah. said that to the producers and you said, I'll never, I'll always get back up no matter what, yeah. I'll always get back up. Yeah, to me, that was kind of like that, that piece of that challenge that you love. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I've never liked the question and I've never liked when even like people in professional sports are asked, are you going to win? Are you going to win? Are you going to win? Because in my brain, it's like, logically, nobody knows. So I don't understand that question. Um, but I can, it feels more authentic to say, but I'll fight to the finish. And then whatever happens in the end happens. That feels authentic. Like I can answer that with truthfulness because I know I will fight to the finish if my finish is one week or if my finish is 10 weeks, but I don't know if I'm going to win. Like I, I can't answer that honestly. So, um, you know, so to me in that moment, I wanted to be authentic. And so I knew like, I'll get back up again, as long as like, I'm not dead you know, I will get back up again. So I was just kind of speaking to what I could find that was authentically true about that response to the, in response to that question. Yeah. And it goes to that other piece of you, which is really being authentic and, and, and having that integrity to not just fluff, to not just say things for the sake of saying things, but be, be purposeful, intentional, meaningful in what you're saying. 
Yeah, I can't. I mean, I've had times in my life when I have been inauthentic and I felt that out of my mouth and I'm like, oh, I don't like that. You know, so I've actually learned from my own, my own inauthenticity and I don't want to do that again. You know, I don't want to be inauthentic like that because I don't like when that happens to me and I don't want to be that for other people because I have done it in the past and I don't like that. So, yeah, yeah I love that too. Great. So you get to be on the show. There's, <laughs> I'm going to let the readers hear more about all of that yeah. journey, but we have to get to the point where we bring Benny into this conversation. Mm-hmm. So for those of you out there listening, uh, Benny Wiley was the trainer that Jill chose for her episode to, to go through this program. Can you remember that moment when you chose Benny and when what I even kind of set up what was required for you to make that choice and then why you made the choice of Benny? Yeah. Yeah. I love that question. Um, so each of the trainers gave a 30 second spiel. So that's literally what all of us trainees had to go on, uh, to be able to make our choice. And so it was kind of like, seriously. So what was going through my mind is I didn't even know what a trainer was supposed to be because before strong, I just wasn't in that industry. I, you know, I had done workouts at home that had been my kind of my mojo. And I didn't understand the trainer dynamic. Now I knew going, that's what would end up happening, but I just didn't know what that relationship was even supposed to look like. And so what I did was go from, it was literally like a quick spark note. And I think I mentioned that in my book, a spark note of all the trainers. I was trying to take notes on like one or two characteristics, but what I did know and what I noted was I know what kind of personalities I respond the best to. So like, I knew that whoever, whatever trainer I picked, it would be like them trying to help me get in shape, you know, and get strong. So that was one aspect. And Benny in his introduction came across in this held true to his personality is very straightforward, matter of fact, cut and dry. And I knew that's what I responded to. And so I picked that up about him right away during his introduction. So I noted that. Um, also, Benny had won the first challenge. And so to me, so I had those two parts in my head going, well, this is a competition. And Benny did just win the first challenge that matters. And then the second part was, I knew that he was going to be helping me with my transformation. And I needed somebody that was straightforward, matter of fact, no fluff, you know, (laughs) and that's what, that's what Benny came across as. And that's what he ended up truly being. Love that. In the book, you mentioned that you quickly, because you had to make that choice so quickly, they didn't give you much time to think about it, um, that you narrowed it down to Leon, Todd, and Benny. Those were your three. Yeah. Thinking as I read that and just kind of listening as you just were talking about the characteristics of being straightforward, honest, authentic, those pieces. And and I, I don't know Leon, but certainly that describes Todd as well. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Yep. Yeah. But Benny won that first competition and and he won the opportunity to work with you. Let me share. Benny actually (laughs) wrote the foreword to the book. So let me just Mm -hmm. share for the listeners a little bit about what he said about Jill. He said, I can remember our first few interviews together in the trailers. I can hear it as if she is speaking the words now. I'm just a mom. The journey that she has taken herself on the last five years has proven that she is so much more. I have watched her challenge her children in areas of fitness and have seen them blossom. 
I have watched her serve alongside her husband with honor and dignity. I have watched her transform, transform her town and community in the areas of health, fitness, and nutrition. I have watched the student become the teacher, and I could not be more proud to write this forward on her behalf. Jill is currently one of the top fitness trainers in Minnesota and passionately pursues being the best she can be on a daily basis. I pray that this book, Jill's Story, will inspire you as much as she has continued to inspire me to the best partner I could ever have had. Huh? <laughs> Thank you, Benny. Thank you, Benny. Yeah. Not only did he write that beautifully, but he led led the team, the two yeah. of them, um, into this challenge. Yep. Again, we can go into the nuts and bolts you share in the book, a lot of the ins and outs of the competitions and some of the challenges that you had to face and, and kind of what that was like. I don't want to get too much into that because the listeners can read it. What I want to hear and what I think would be great for them to hear is a little bit about the mindset shift that was beginning to happen. So maybe you went into this thinking, I'm just going to give it my best and, and do my best, but you know, I'm, I'm here to, to get the most out of it. But at some point there was a shift that was happening that was saying, I actually have a chance to win this. Mm -hmm. about what you remember about your mindset shifting and why that was happening or when that was happening, or if there was a particular moment when you were aware that you actually had a chance here. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, first of all, just to one more note on Benny. I mean, Benny was very instrumental in keeping that mindset throughout the show or throughout our time in the competition. Um, you know, so if it weren't, wouldn't have been for him, I would have probably never reached a point of thinking we could actually win, you know, because my mind and that's what a great coach does. And that's what he was. So I just he was very, very much a catalyst in keeping me going or getting my mindset, you know, in the right place to even think I had a chance. Um, but I would say, um, maybe about halfway through. So it would have been probably our second time at the elimination tower. Um, that's when I kind of remember like going through the second time, the elimination tower, which would have been about week five, you know, we, I'd been through enough challenges. I would gone through enough, like, this is so hard. I suck. No, I don't. I won. Oh wait, no, I did not You know, it was like this constant up and down. And after a while that's exhausting. And so I just remember week five kind of going like, you've made it five weeks. However, that's happened. You're still here, Jill. So, and then going through the tower the second time, I think really kind of went, okay, like maybe it's game on now, you know, and you can do this. And I think it was probably week five, halfway through when it really, really started. Um, it was a progression and I still had to fight it along the whole time, but, um, probably week five was, it was kind of a changing point, turning point. And when you felt that, when something just shifted enough to say, I, I'm, we might have a chance here. 
Mm-hmm. Did that, did the training change at that point? Did the, my, the nutrition change, did anything change that just really made it that even one level higher to get to that final? It was the mindset. I mean, I would love to attribute it to the training and the nutrition. That's certainly important. I mean, um, cause we were training, we were eating well, um, um, but sleep was kind of lacking. <laughs> okay. So, um, that's when I kind of knew too, like to make it on, I mean, really, I just have to add, attribute it in the end to the mindset. You know, people ask, you know, I was in interviews or I've been in interviews since strong where people want to know the secret to how you win, want to know how you made it to the end. And in the end, the mindset is what did it. I, I just, that's the only answer I can come up with as far as a tactical strategy. It's like, you just have to do your best and that's what will produce the results. Yeah. I think it's such a really powerful point. Um, how important our mindset is in, in not just in these kinds of competitions, but just in life, right? If we, yeah. if, if we want yeah. something, then we've got to get our mindset on getting that thing. And yeah. if, you know, the best training in the world, the best nutrition, those are all great things. But if your mind isn't there, none of those things will get you there. Yes. And then a coach to keep you in that mindset, you know, which is where, what Benny kind of kept, you know, pulling me along there. Yeah. Excellent. I'm going to share the moment of the finals because how many weeks was it in 10 weeks? So I think it ended up being nine, nine weeks total. I kind of lose track because we were at, we were in lockdown before, I say lockdown before, before we even were experienced that. We were locked in, was a thing. <laughs> yeah. But we were locked down at the hotel for nine days. So I think it was eight weeks on set after that. I think it was a total of nine, nine or 10, nine. I think it's nine weeks away. That's what I wrote in the book. So I hope it's, I think it's nine. Yeah. I think nine. We're going with nine. <laughs> yeah. So this is the, this is it. This is the final tower run. And you write, it was a surreal moment standing at the starting line for our final tower run. I had been in this place twice before and had come out on the other side to be able to continue in the competition. But this final time, there would be no continuation. It was win and go home or lose and go home. Nerves were high per usual and Benny did our manual countdown before we started. I was feeling good about our stride during this tower run until we got to the wall push. This apparatus was a series of walls that you pushed up against one another. The first wall started out light until we pushed it into the wall behind it. Then it took on the weight of that wall as well. By the time we were pushing the full wall, it was 700 pounds and felt like we were pushing against a cement building. We inched the wall a bit at a time and eventually completed it to move on to the coil ladder. This was my third time during strong to face the dreaded coil ladder. I had definitely become stronger in the past nine weeks and this final trip across the ladder proved to be fairly swift. Benny and I swept up the shuffle and ended with the strong pull. And that was it. We were done. We put it all on the line and there was nothing more we could do. Our third and final tower run on the set of strong was complete. As Benny and I stood on the top story of the tower with the lights that signaled completion swirling over the tops of the trees, an intense feeling of relief swept over me. 
I was exhausted from all of it. Training, the challenges, the power run, the hard soul searching work, the emotional roller coaster. The last nine weeks had been a lot on so many different levels. I was ready for it to be done. And it was. Gabby Reese announced Team Yellow's time of 3.42 first. And then with swirling butterflies about to burst out of my stomach, announced our time of 3.29. It was a suspenseful finish and ended with Team Blue as strong <laughs> season one champions. <laughs> Yay! About that moment, what, when what was it, what were you feeling? What kind of went over you when you realized? How long did it take to sink in? Yeah, you know, it was kind of. I'm trying to liken it to something for people. I wasn't ever really a part of like teams that won championships, and so I think maybe there could be some similar emotions there. But um, but so. Yeah. In that moment, I do remember relief because of the hard, hard journey that strong was. <laughs> and I think again, it was like, maybe there was similarities to that first phone call I got even like, this is surreal. What? But on this end of it, it was like the exclamation point, the ending that was surreal. And then it was, I think time just, and I think I mentioned this in the book, time kind of just stood still. It was like, whoa, <laughs> what happened, you know? Um, and just, of course, just excitement, you know, just elation, um, joy. Yeah, just joy in that moment. So amazing. And I yeah. hope that the listeners go back and watch it on Netflix because you see that moment. And now that you've kind of read about it from the inside, I think you might even be able to appreciate the elation. Yeah. 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 Again, congratulations on that moment because it was a really challenging, really challenging competition. <laughs> yeah. So you win. You spend a couple days winding down and you head back home. Mm -hmm. And now we need to talk about your family and their, what it was like for them in this mm -hmm. process. Let's go back a little bit um, and kind of bring them into the story. Mm -hmm. When you found out you were going, mm -hmm. how did your kids feel about this? How was, what was your husband's response? <laughs> How did they handle this idea that their mom is going to be on a reality TV show? <laughs> you know, kids keep it real. I mean, it's kind of like big deal, you know? <laughs> um, I think my kids more have appreciated it probably in the last one to two years. I'm starting to see them, you know, think what I did was cool. Um, then I think, you know, they were young. I'm trying to think how old my daughter was, you know, they were younger then. And so I think they were more trying to grasp, like, how long are you going to be gone from us? You know, just like how kids would think of like, I need my mom, but like, she's leaving. So I think to them, it was more logical. And I don't think it really hit them until, um, you know, I came back and then we started and I was on the screen and then we did the parties. So I really think for them, it was um, just more like, 
where are you going, mom? And then how long, you know, it was like kind of their needs. What does this mean for me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is how kids, you know, they, they need their parents there or their mom or whoever. But, um, and my husband, you know, I've always kind of labeled him the stable to my crazy because he's just (laughs) like a rock, you know, and he, he's always handled whatever. And he's very just kind of even keeled. Um, you know, I mean, he has things that'll get him riled up, but he's always been very even keeled and he's always been a supporter of what I've ever, whatever I've wanted to pursue. You know, it's not like he's going to always be like over the top excited or whatever, but he will always support me positively and he will keep things smooth in my absence, which is what he did. (laughs) Such a blessing, such a blessing for sure. Yeah. And, and while you were there, you weren't able to reach out to home very often. I think you were, you had mentioned that in the book or at least something we had talked about. Yeah. I mean, we, the filming schedule was just felt crazy and we got our phones on the weekends. So a lot of times we would film challenges during the weeks, Monday through Friday. And then we would get our phones either Friday night after the tower. Cause that's when the tower episodes were typically filmed or Saturday mornings. Um, And so then I would have it for Saturday, Sunday, and then they would take it away again. Um, So I would have it. But then there was always kind of this question too, like, if you FaceTime, um, you know, we were going through transformations. So it was kind of like, and I am, you know, in retrospect, I'm such a rule follower. And I remember what I read in like the agreements we had to sign and that you were not supposed to like be showing, you know, telling people or whatever. And I, I just, took stuff super literally. Um, and so like, I would even try and like, be careful when I was FaceTiming my family, I didn't want them to really see me. And, um, and so, but it was limited contact. And then we went into a production crunch the last kind of three weeks where we didn't have our phones for three weeks. So, um, you know, that was a long haul. Um, but on the other hand, and I think, You know, people ask me a lot, like, did you miss your family? Wasn't it hard? And it's like, well, of course it was hard. But part of it is like, I was away for nine weeks and it was like this complete alternate universe is what it felt like. And sometimes I honestly didn't have the energy to even talk to my family. Um, And I know that might sound horrible, but it's like, until you've been there and you've experienced it, like it was tiring, you know, and Um, and, and, you know, and then sometimes it was like, I don't know if I have the energy to talk to him. And then sometimes it was like, I just got to get this done so I can get back to him was Mm -hmm. kind of my mentality, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so yeah, it was also hard because I was thinking about it as I was reading exhausted, but then to have to call and then try and explain it. (laughs) So we did this crazy thing with this tube and this wall and this pipe and the, you know, like. Yeah. When you're in it, you get it. But when you're not in it, you can't explain it. Did you feel a little bit of that disconnect as well? Well, totally. And then, and then I go back to the confidentiality contract again, where it's like, I didn't even really want to be telling them what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, in retrospect, and if I did it again, I would probably ask for some explanation, but I didn't, had never worked in on a show before. So in my mind, I'm like, nope, I can't tell them anything. I can't tell them this. I can't tell, you know, and yep. so, so yep. like a lot of it, my fam, my kids knew I was gone filming a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they talked to me, they, they just didn't ask a lot of questions. We just talked briefly about, 
you know, what was happening in their lives, what was happening a little bit in mine, but really I didn't share a lot with them. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, it was in retrospect, I probably would have shared more. (laughs) Well, you don't know what you don't know. I I get it. You know, and you're, like you said, just trying to follow the the rules and what they laid out for you. You're just trying to get through it. You're trying to do it. Yeah. So you get home and you, (laughs) I'm literally walking in the door. (laughs) Describe that moment when they see you completely transformed Mm -hmm. and in, in, in sort of the shock of you walking in, what, what was that like? Yeah. Cause I surprised my family. I didn't tell them I was, they knew I would be home kind of in this general time frame, but I didn't tell them when I left. And so I surprised them Thanksgiving week. Um, yeah. And I have my son, he's the one who's going into med school. And so he's just super blunt. And I just think, oh, you're going to be one of those doctors with no bedside manner. You know, I joke about <laughs> that. So I'm walking in the house and he's like, oh, you're smaller. Like, how did he see me? First of all, he doesn't say, hi, mom, love you. He just comes up. He's like, oh, you're smaller. And I'm like, good to see you too, son. (laughs) Oh, he was the first one who spotted me. And then my other kids kind of trickled in and yeah, it was an emotional moment. And then my husband appeared in the doorway and, you know, when I left, he had no beard, but it was in the middle of November and he always grows his beard out. So I was like, oh my goodness, you have a beard and I'm here and I'm smaller. Like it's, it's just this moment of like, I had to kind of like smack myself like Jill your kids your husband your family this is your house you know it was just so incredibly weird I it was something psychologically like I don't even know I don't even know how to properly describe it unless you've walked through it um you know maybe if you've been removed in some sort of setting which I know there are settings like that different reasons in life. We leave for a while and come back. Um, you know, maybe those sorts of people could really understand, but it was, I don't know. It was just so interesting trying to get myself back into reality, reality, real, <laughs> the real, real, real reality. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about this as I was, even as I was prepping for today's call and I was thinking, you know, it's not quite the same, it's not the right parallel, but it's a similar situation where people who go to war come back and, and have that really bumpy transition back here. And, and I think in some ways it's uh, that, that feeling of I've been through something, something Mm -hmm. so nobody here could understand because they weren't in it. Yeah. And then kind of coming back and like having to get back into this normal routine Mm -hmm. as if none of that happened. um, Yeah. Huge disconnect psychologically. And I was thinking about that. Yes. So much. So, um, yeah. I don't know how else to, you described it perfectly. It's just like this psychological disconnect. It's just a disconnect. And it was like, you're trying to get yourself back, but you're psychologically kind of still where you came from, but you're here, but you're not, you know, it's yeah. like trying to yeah. yank your emotions and your, you know, your thoughts and your um, feelings, everything back here, you know, versus putting it all out on the set. Yeah. Todd always says, you know, be where your feet are, be where your feet are. Yeah. So you're trying so desperately to be where your feet are, but everything else is still back there. Like you said, all yeah. your emotions, you're going through the whole thing and just yep. memories and the mind, yeah, all of that is still back there. So like you said, kind of pulling it to where your feet are. Right. I, I get it. 
you know, I remember always feeling, and this is way different too, but feeling that at the end of summer camp, cause it's like, you'd go there for a week. I would always go to, um, summer camp every, and you would build such tight connections and it was such great experiences and, you know, and then it was like, you'd come home and it was just depressing at first, you know, and it kind of, that's like a micro version of what ended up happening. Now you're saying that you're making me think like my kids are just about ready to come home. My two girls are coming home from college in the next couple of weeks here, they'll both be home. And I, it's sort of that same thing, right? They're going to have sort of the crash landing back to mom's mom's and dad's house right and like totally here we are again that's it yeah yeah I love that that was good thank you um the other piece of that that kept it as a disconnect was that you did not tell anybody including your husband and your kids that you had won yeah I thought that they knew you had done something kind of crazy (laughs) but they didn't know that the, the final yeah yeah, that was probably one of the dumber decisions because I always get these things in my head where I think, this is so cool. I can, I'm going to do this. I'm going to hang on and it's just going to be worth it in the end. Like I can hold on because I know it's going to be so good over here. But a lot of times my brain doesn't often think about what the journey there is going to look like, you know, and when you're keeping something from everybody else, it's just hard and it's weird. And it's like, there was already, you know, a psychological disconnect when I came back. And so to try and, to try and also keep the ending was like, um, I don't know that I would do that again. You know, I mean, it was, you know, at the end it was worth it. And it was like, yay, you know, and deep down, I just wonder if my husband didn't know, but we just, we just keep it like it was a surprise at the end. <laughs> and is that how you approach it? Because I'm sure the kids probably said, well, did you win? Did you win? And did you just yeah. say it's a surprise? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah. My kids just knew. And they, you know, because even in my absence, you know, I, I kind of, you know, it was kind of like, please don't bother my kids. I, they're not, they can't tell you, you know, and, you know, kind of made that known to my closer sphere. Um but, but they kind of were just in that same sphere when I got back, like, oh, she just will know when the show gets to the end. Um, <laughs> I'm actually surprised they were cool with that, but yeah, they, they were just good about it. They were just good about it. So they follow our lead, you know? So if you were yeah. cool with it, they just kind of followed your lead on it. Yeah. Yeah. How long was it? What's the, I mean, just for people that are listening that, you know, you were filming back in the spring, but the show ended up airing when? So we were filming back in the fall and then, yep. And then the show ended up. So, um, like the end of September is when I left to go. Mm -hmm. And then the show ended up airing. I think it started in, it was either the end of March or April. It started, um, to air on NBC. Yeah. So that's just good Mm -hmm. for listeners to kind of see, cause it wasn't like you were filming it and it was being filmed live. It was all (laughs) and then produced and then, um, right. ended, ended up running in the spring and so Fast forwarding through some other great stories. So read the book to get more, but there is a moment where everybody gets to find out and, and you were actually hosted a huge community gathering with your family and people in the community um, at the YMCA in your hometown. Mm -hmm. And you were all there to see the final. So let me, let me read this paragraph here so you can share it with the listeners. After what seemed like an eternity, the last tower run finally came on screen. 
What I was about to watch, I had already experienced once. And even though I knew the outcome, watching it again brought up similar feelings of exhaustion, nervousness, and uncertainty. It was like I was, on a, on, I was back on set for a moment. As the tower run finished and we were all waiting for Gabby to announce the final times, which would dictate the winner, you could have heard a pin drop in the gym. Everyone was holding their breath. And then after hearing that Team Yellow finished their final tower run in three minutes and 42 seconds, it came. Blue team, you finished in three minutes and 29 seconds. My husband, my family, and the entire gym now got to experience what I had known all along. With that final tower run time, Benny and I had won the competition and were crowned season one strong champions. The gym erupted. The noise pounded excitedly against my eardrums as my husband hugged me tight. Silly string went flying everywhere as my kids celebrated with their friends and each other. People lined up for photos with me and we handed out autographed Team Blue victory posters. It was one of the happiest and most fun and surreal moments of my life. Yeah, yeah, um, that kind of says it all. You know, I through this whole process, I, I mean, my community was just awesome. You know, and I was just so happy and honored that they would come and um, share this with me. In the beginning, we did a launch party and to wrap it up in the end, um, you know, I come from a town in West Central Minnesota where when somebody dies, we like put flags up along the, you know, so people really rally around people in the community here. Um, and I'm just so blessed to be a part of this community. They just cheer you on, you know. Um, and so that moment was just, you know, I think by that time, because at first when we did the first launch party, my community just thought it, thought it was cool that I was on TV, you know, <laughs> it was like, what? She's on TV. Okay. Um, but by this time towards the end, people were kind of invested and they're like, well, now we want to know, is she going to win? You know, as much <laughs> the TV cool factor was kind of gone. Now it's like, is she going to win? Um, and so when that moment happened, yeah, it was just surreal and my kids had their friends there and silly stringing it out. And, you know, it was just a beautiful moment. It was just one of those moments, again, maybe at the end of a, when teams win a championship, maybe it's similar to that. Um, just like, Hey, that's cool. I did that. And I won. Awesome. You know, just kind of one of those moments. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing, amazing moment. Um, amazing journey all the way through from beginning to end. And my question then is, what's next? That was a huge goal, a successful end. Yeah. What's next for you? Yeah, I want, I wanted to already be entertaining that. I did because that's my natural bent um, to know what's next. But my husband has encouraged me to pause for a minute and soak in the joy of completing my book. So I don't know today, Kelly, what's next, because I'm <laughs> absorbing, trying to absorb the joy of the completing of my book. Um, so I'm really today, I'm not thinking about what's next. I'm just pausing. I'm practicing pausing for a minute um, and just absorbing this. Uh, if we talk next week, I can maybe tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I think. 
people who are listening had better follow you because there are great things to come. But I actually love that. I love that you're taking a moment to pause and just absorb this next big accomplishment that you've written a best-selling book. You hit number one the first day that we launched. Ah! That's crazy. Um, That's another big check mark on the goals of life for you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I just, my bent, I like to make goals and achieve them. Um, but I am trying to just stop for a minute and, uh, soak it in before I go ahead and step into my next, my next goal, but I'm super happy to have accomplished this one. And I so appreciate, uh, Scripter Publishing Group for all your help in this. I wouldn't have been able to do it without you. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. You know, it's absolutely our pleasure. It was ex- just a really great experience to work with you and to really bring out the the, the essence of this story, um, that it wasn't just about a TV show. It was about so much more. And I think you did a, an amazing job conveying that in the book. So thank you for giving us that opportunity to work with you. Yeah. So if people do want to follow you, Jill, what's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, I'm probably most uh, active on my Instagram account, which is Jill May underscore NBC strong. So an ode to (laughs) the show I was on. Um, Jill May underscore NBC strong. Excellent. I'll make sure that gets in the show notes as well. So people can see that. And then before we wrap up, I always mm-hmm. like to close these interviews with the idea of the name of the podcast. And we call it, mm-hmm. it just takes one because I'm, I'm actually fascinated by that topic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now we're talking with authors and it, you know, it just takes one book perhaps, or, or one inspiration uh, to, to have a story we're sharing or to, to make the commitment to do something like write a book or be on a reality TV show. What does it just takes one mean to you? Yeah. I mean, I love that topic too. It, when I hear it or that, that thought too, when I hear it first, it feels countercultural to me a little bit, you know, because I think we're so kind of programmed, like we got to have a lot, we got to have a lot of followers. We got to have, you know, the numbers, we need a lot of numbers. We need high numbers. Um, And it, I guess to me, when I think of when you first, when I first hear that, it just takes one, I think of like a seed, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, okay, we might end up with a lot. We might, there might be a lot, but for me personally, uh, depth has always been important. And so I think, I think of a seed when I think of really, it's not, a bunch of seeds that grow up the one tall, strong, like tree or whatever you're growing or plant or bush or whatever, you know, it's one, I mean, and that one can grow up and be strong and mighty and whatever. Um, and so I guess that's what I think of. I think of a seed and I think of where do people think the, the mass numbers start? It, I mean, to me, it's just kind of, I feel logical in that it is just starts at one. Like you can't just start with a big, it starts at one. So to me, I think of a seed and I think of, um, yeah, I just think of a seed and I think of, it has to start somewhere. And that somewhere is the one, (laughs) you know, such a great visual. It's true. One seed makes the giant oak, right. And Mm -hmm. 
something so small can become something so amazing. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. That's great. And Jill, it just took you. It just took you making that first, <laughs> you know, getting on and filling out that first application or even looking at that, the seed of an idea of maybe a casting call somewhere. And um, it transformed your life. The trajectory of your life changed completely. And I just have enjoyed the journey and look forward to whatever you're doing next. Thank you so much, Kelly. I appreciate all your help and having me on today. Thank you, Jill. Thanks for being on. And there you have it. A great interview with Jill May. It was really fun to spend some time with her. And just as a wrap up, I wanted to tell you that the title of her book is strong enough, but the subtitle is From Dream to Reality, A Winner's Journey. And I just wanted to spend a minute focusing on that subtitle for a moment. You know, Jill had the, the smallest idea of a dream to be on this show. And years later, she ended up winning. And I'm saying that because I'm wondering what dream you might have. She talks about at the end, it just takes one, one seed to grow something great. What seed is planted in your mind that is a maybe seemingly impossible dream, the seed of something that could become possible? And how would you go about making that a reality? Well, one of the ways you would need to is to follow what Jill said about having that winner's mindset. She talked a lot about how important mindset was and the idea of challenging herself to always get better, to not just accept what is, but to be striving to achieve more and to be better in your life, whatever that means for you not necessarily winning reality television shows, but whatever that goal is for you, how can you get one step better today? It's a really inspiring story. Jill is as authentic in person as she sounded on this interview. And in her book, I think you will find just some really beautiful stories about this journey that she took. I think you will be inspired and I hope it motivates you to go out and be the one. Thanks for joining us on this episode of It Just Takes One. We have more authors to interview soon. More episodes coming up.